Hello and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Our topic is nitrogen application options for the spring. This is geared toward those farmers who could not make their usual fall applications due to the weather. My guests are... John Hurd here. I do the soil fertility extension work for Manitoba, working for Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development. And Warren Ward, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, uh, located in eastern Saskatchewan and covering a little bit into Manitoba as well. And as well, I am the fertility lead for our agronomic team. All right, guys. Many farmers who usually try to put some nitrogen down in the fall might not have got a chance to, to do any of it last fall. So they're looking for ways to catch up on nitrogen applications this spring. We're going to discuss six options and the positives and possible negatives for each. So option one, pre-seed banding. John. Well, uh, pre-plant banding uh, in in the past has been a very efficient way of of supplying nitrogen in a timely manner to the crop. Uh, We always like to see when we place nitrogen below the soil surface, we reduce some of the losses to volatilization, immobilization, etc. So it's fairly efficient that way. And we see that if people have ruts left over from harvest, uh, they may be doing some type of tillage and pre-plant banding may be a part of that uh, tillage process if they can pull an air tank. So uh, as far as cautions or, or hints with that, if they're doing that with anhydrous ammonia, it still needs to be placed at depth. We say four inches in order to provide safety uh, for the crop that's gonna be planted above it. Uh, should be seeded on a or, or fertilized on an angle to seeding of, of wheat or canola. And uh, uh, one of the hazards going that deep is that we can uh, disrupt the seed bed if we dry it out or bring up clods. So there's a, a few cautions that should be used. Warren, anything more on that one? The only thing I would add is that I like it because it does save time at that seeding operation. So rather than trying to apply all nutrients at seeding, you can um, have a few less stops to fill the drill. All right. The next one, surface applications immediately before or after seeding. Warren. So this is an option that's gaining in popularity. and, And the number one reason for that is because logistically it's so easy to do. You can cover a lot of ground. Uh, and make up some time, especially when, when you're under a crunch. The, so the challenges with that is that anytime we're leaving uh, those nutrients, nitrogen, especially on the soil surfaces, there is an increased potential for losses. Uh, and so if that's the case, and, and this is the option that someone chooses to go, I would like to see an enhanced efficiency product used in that scenario to help protect their nitrogen source. John, anything more on that one? Well, uh, one of the other things, uh, you can use an enhanced efficiency product or, or you can incorporate. And if, so if people are broadcasting prior to seeding, I think, especially if there are ruts in the field, some type of tillage is going to be used also. So I'd say if you're going to till the field, you could option is to broadcast first and then work that in. And as you're working out those ruts, you're incorporating your fertilizer. And, um, and, and I agree, if we're not doing that, then we need to consider some type of protection. Uh, one of the things we caution people is that, you know, a heavy harrow 
is not a fertilizer incorporation tool and uh, really uh, uh, would not be sufficient to eliminate volatilization risk. So in a situation like that, John, it would probably be safe to say that still using an enhanced efficiency product, even with some light incorporation, would be a beneficial practice. I'd be leaning that way unless I was assured of rain within three days. All right, let's go to option three, placement in the seed row. And John, you're taking the lead on that one. Well, uh, nice in that it doesn't require an extra pass. And it's a very efficient placement because it's in the soil and it's banded. Uh, but we do know that there's a limit to what we can place when we're in contact with uh, seed. Cereals will tolerate higher rates than uh, uh, oil seeds or pulses. Uh, and that uh, uh, the clay soils can tolerate higher rates than sands. Uh, but because of the toxicity, and with nitrogen fertilizers, we're generally talking about the ammonia toxicity, uh, it can have a major effect. And so our rates are generally uh, l very limited, quite insufficient to meet needs of the crop. A nice option now is that the ESN-coated uh, urea does allow us to place you know up to three times as much safely with the seed than if it was urea alone warren anything more on that one yeah just looking at that one through canola colored glasses um it, it is quite sensitive to seed placed fertilizer and you know even with a product like esn it will safen that and you know but if we think of how much we're actually applying at three times a safe rate you know we're likely not going to get any more than 30 pounds safely applied in the seed row so uh, there's still going to be a significant component that is going to end up outside the seed row. Ideally, I like to see phosphate fertilizer, a safe starter amount in the seed row, and everything else out of that seed row. All right, let's go to moving the band outside the seed row. So side banding or mid-row banding, Warren? I really like this as an option. Uh, all the fertilizer, all the nutrients are in the soil, so they should be protected. They'll be available when the plant needs them with minimal risk of loss. Um, the, the challenge with this is that it can add time to that seeding operation. There will be more stops to fill. Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind too, is that if we don't have that adequate separation between the seed and fertilizer, we still can see uh, potential damage or, or loss of, of plants due to that um, uh, lack of separation or, or safety issue. John, anything more on that one? Well, uh, about 30% of Manitoba farmers are, are using this type of placement routinely for uh, canola, according to surveys that have been done. So a lot have uh, implemented this as their system. Occasionally, under dry years, which we are not really expecting here, we sometimes do see some stand injury when that side band is still uh, within an inch or so of the seed roll. So uh, we caution people uh, of that, that high rates in that band can still impact the seed row if it's an inch or closer. That tends to be a, a dry weather phenomenon. Okay, let's go to the next option, which is a, a separate operation to band nitrogen immediately after seeding. John. Yeah, I, uh, kind of a made in Manitoba. Uh, situation. We did have a, a few farmers and very limited research where they looked first at putting the crop in the ground and then coming with low disturbance uh, openers, actually an anhydrous applicator, and banding below that place seed after seeding. Uh, 
Now we look at that, well, that's actually quite uh, easy to achieve with some of our low disturbance seeders now, disc openers that could actually run uh, uh, cross rows or if very good faith in RTK type guidance, may, maybe that can be used to place nitrogen after seeding, but between the rows. But uh, an option that we, we could consider now that we have some of this uh, uh, equipment um, uh, more available. Warren, have you heard of this happening much across the prairies? No, there's really not a lot of this going on. I think as John alluded to, it's uh, maybe a, a more of a, more more prominent in, in some areas in Manitoba. Uh, I, I would just comment that it is a little bit more technically challenging because you do have to have the right equipment with the right openers and have, uh, like John said, confidence in your GPS system to, to do that. I'd be a little bit concerned about um, you know, with a wider opener that you could disturb the seed bed or, or dry out that soil with this option. But uh, if you can do it, then it, it would be an excellent option to ban some fertilizer. All right, let's go to the, to the last option, Warren, post-emergence or mid-season applications. So this is another one that really uh, does allow for those efficiencies during the seeding operation because we're not uh, slowing that seeding operation down as much to fill the fertilizer tank. Uh, and if done well, there's really no uh, impact on yield potential. So if we're uh, considering this top dressing option in season, um, there, there are studies that show that you can achieve the same amount or the same yield potential with that. Uh, one of the challenges, again, because it's likely going to be a, a surface broadcast application, uh, we would want to keep in mind that enhanced efficiency products are going to give you some protection from uh, potential losses of nitrogen in that scenario. John, any more on that one? Uh, well, well I, actually, we're probably more hip on this uh, than we were historically. We, we, we've got more equipment out here now that can do that, and some research, some in, in canola in Manitoba, uh, but some recent work in wheat showing that actually uh, we're getting full, if not better, yield potential when we are splitting some of that nitrogen the a good portion of it on at or close to seeding and then coming back uh, uh, to the uh, crop in June. And so we've had some good research results doing that. The caveat being under those studies, we did receive some rain within five days. If it stays dry, uh, we don't like it when fertilizer is stranded at the surface. Uh, and the, the other part of that Warren mentioned too is that if rain is not imminent, then we really should be looking at the uh, a urease type inhibitor to retain it for us. And I think it would partly depend on your confidence in that weather forecast as well, right, John? If we get uh, rain in the forecast and it turns out just to be a light misting shower, there are even higher potential for losses with that. The only other thing I, I didn't mention with this uh, with top dressing as an option is that it's a busy time of year. And if you're looking at using UAN as your top dress source through your sprayer, keep in mind that that sprayer is pretty busy during, during the growing season. And you want to make sure you have a really good plan in place for not missing the windows of application for your fertilizer as well. Okay, guys, all that being said, you made good uh, points for and, and in some ways against some of those tips. But what What's your favorite one or a combination heading into 2020? Let's, we'll start with you, Warren. So my, my number one option or plan A uh, would be uh, one pass at seeding. So uh, side band or mid-row band of the majority of your, your fertilizer. Um, 
it, uh, it, it's safe, it's protected, it's there when the plant needs it. Not everybody has that option, or maybe uh, spring logistics could be a challenge, in which case maybe a combination of some side banding with some in-season top dressing could be, could be an option this year. And for anybody who, who uh, has zero banding capability at, at seeding, uh, you know, so maybe like a single shoot opener, um, pre-seed banding in my mind would be the best option in that case. John, what are your favorites? You know, I'm not really picking favorites because we're, we're blessed with so many options or combinations when it comes to nitrogen. My reminder is that there's no option when it comes to phosphorus. The planter shouldn't go to the field unless the phosphorus is, is, is in place, uh, either before or at seeding. The nitrogen, I, I think we've outlined uh, uh, that there's a number of, uh, uh, of good practices, you know, so, some conditions that apply to either of them. But I, I think that uh, uh, we can uh, meet the nitrogen needs fine, but there's no compromises to be made when it comes to, to phosphorus or, or potassium if that's required. One, one other thing to keep in mind would be the four R's of fertility management. So the right source, the right time, the right place, and the right rate. Uh, really, we're, we've been talking about the right place, the right time, and the right source. And especially when you get into challenging conditions when, uh, when you may have to compensate, for instance, on the right uh, placement, that's when some of the other factors like the right source or the right timing become even more important. And uh, for, for, for my, my two cents on that, I, I see that usually when we're talking about 4R management, sometimes we're talking about the environmental aspect. Here we're just talking about how that 4R framework can, can work very well to, 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 to help in compromise situations. Here, our compromise is timing didn't work out for us, but through the combination of you know, placement options, uh, some of the enhanced efficiency sources that we have now, I, I think we've still got some very good opportunities to 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 meet the, the the fertility needs of the crop by by considering how it is that one of the other uh, uh, R's is able to compensate for our our loss of the fall timing. Thanks, John. Thanks, Warren. For more on this topic, check out the fertilizer management section at Canola Encyclopedia. This Canola Watch podcast is a product of the Canola Council of Canada with support from the Canola Grower Organizations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. I'm Jay Wetter. Thanks for listening.